0: to a podcast from St. Stephen's Episcopal Church in McKeesport, PA, the friendly church in the heart of town since 1885. We're located at the corner of Walnut Street and 8th Avenue in downtown McKeesport. We invite you to join us this Sunday for worship at 8 a.m. or 10 a.m. For more information, visit our website at ststephensmckeesport.com or find us on Facebook. Our celebrant was the Reverend David Kinsey, and our musical director and organist was Georgia Labetta.
1: Savior, Jesus Christ, according to Mark. Jesus and his disciples came to Jericho, and as he and his disciples had a large crowd were leaving Jericho, Bartimaeus, son of Temus, a blind beggar, was sitting by the roadside. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. The blind man said to him, My teacher, let me see again. And Jesus said to him, Go, your faith has made you well. Immediately he regained his sight and followed him on the way. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise, Praise Morning, is how is your spiritual sight? It's kind of a difficult task as we reflect on who we are and what do we see spiritually. I had the pleasure, with my wife Peg, in 2006, of going to the Scandinavian capitals and into Russia and I couldn't help but come into this one small town uh, that is about as big as this church Uh, and there were this uh, horse-drawn buggies uh, and the cobblestone streets and it was very very quaint little town. And sitting next to me as I was sitting on a bench watching the people, which I love to do by the way, (laughs) there was this little fellow, he looked like a troll that came up from underneath the bridge. He was about this tall, he had a beard, he was a cute little guy, and he started speaking to me in some kind of language that I didn't understand. Uh, And finally, I uh, I said to him, I "I only speak English. He said, "Uh, where are you from? I said, the United States. Where in the United States? Pennsylvania. Where in Pennsylvania? Pittsburgh we're in Pittsburgh Uh, Peter Township your president George Bush no good well don't attack my country man (laughs) and then he said your Congress no good and he was really bashing the United States and I being a nice person that I am I listened to him. And finally I said to him, you know, you have a a lovely country here. I said, "Uh, I admire the beauty of of the, the flowers and the grass and the cobblestone streets and the simplicity of life. I said, but there's one big difference between your country and the United States. He said, what's that? I said, in the United States, everybody wants in, nobody wants out. In your country, everybody probably wants out. And then he said to me, do you like beer? I said, I love beer. He said, you're my friend. <laughs> so I tried to make it uh, comfortable enough to make him think that Americans were pretty decent people. Uh, unfortunately, what they see on TV is something, all the violence and the stuff, and that's probably why he doesn't. He thought the United States was really a bad country. Uh, and, uh, interestingly enough, uh, he told me that the next week he was gonna be going to England. I said, really, why are you going to England? He said, see my daughter. And what is your daughter doing in England? She says, she's an attorney and she works there. I said, why doesn't she work here? She said, I can't find a job. <laughs> so he and I became uh, pretty good friends, but I had, to, I had to kind of laugh at his perception and I imagine that perception now is even worse than it was in 2006. If you, if you watch the t- television today, not only the violence is just so horrific and so horrendous, the politicians, I mean, the way they lie about each other, and the way they lie about the things that are going on in the world. Uh, it, it, I don't even want to turn the television on uh, because they even come on through when, when you are watching football. It's, 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 it kind of breaks my heart, and I'll get back to that in a minute. Well, one of the things that I did when I was ordained uh, as a priest is I knew just enough about the Bible to be dangerous. And I went, I was, I was in Cannesburg, and I was going to turn that town upside down. I was going to really bring all new growth and new. And I, I mean, I was on fire. And you know something? I made more mistakes. Oh, my goodness. Excellent. And finally, I just, in, in frustration, I, I went to my, one of my mentors. His name was Charles Johnson. If I were to take a picture of Jesus Christ as I perceive him, it would be Charles Johnson. Tall, gaunt, African-American. I loved that man. And he was the kindest person i ever met in my life. And I said to him, Charles, I'm just just so broken. I'm I'm so depressed. I just don't do anything right. And Charles did not say to me, Oh, David, you're too hard on yourself. Go back to the Bible and read the scripture. You need to be on your knees. He didn't say that. What he did say to me was this. Walk with me. do You notice when Jesus was was gathering up his disciples he made a very simple statement to the fishermen he just said follow me I mean how simpler can you get and, and 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 they and they followed him because there was something about that man that's why people follow Jesus today, because there's something about that man for those people that have been married or are married you happen to fall in love with your man or your woman because there was something about that man or there was something about that woman that attracted you to be with them hopefully the rest of your life but but for some reason we we kind of lose something and as a result fifty percent of the marriages today end up in divorce because we've lost that something when i was counseling Uh, young couples that were getting ready to be married Uh, it was it was it was i don't want to say it was amusing but it was kind of sad in a a way because i would i would i would sit the two of the the man and woman down and i would different tables i say okay i want i want you to write what you really like about the person and then i want you on another piece of paper to write down what you would like to see changed in that other person it was always the woman that would come back with her her list of wishes and she would say things like well my, my boyfriend likes to run around on Friday night with his buddies and they go from one bar to another sometimes he, he gets a little bit high you know that too much to drink He drink out loudmouth juice you know uh, and he said uh, but, but as soon as we get married he's going to change And I would say, good luck, because he's not going to change. And it was never the man, and I'm not not gender here. It was always the woman that knew that the man was going to change. And you know something? A person only changes when they want to change. If I want to quit smoking, it's because I want to quit smoking. If I want to quit drinking, it's because I want to quit drinking, not because somebody says, You know, you're smoking too much, you're drinking too much, you're not home enough. Uh Uh-uh, it has to do with me. And it's that spiritual friend. If you take a look at the scripture, where this blind man screamed out to Jesus, Son of God, have mercy on me. Now, the interesting thing about his appeal was the people. He said, just sit down and shut up. And that's basically what he said. Just sit down and don't bother this guy. And then he when he said it, he even said it louder. Have mercy on me. Why? why wouldn't the people around that blind man have mercy on him and pick him up and run him to to Jesus? They knew what Jesus could do, but it was that it was that ugliness that comes out in us. It was the blindness of the people, not the blind man, but blindness of the people. And what happened? Jesus healed the blind man. And in, in the, in the church that I was served for 25 years had a marvelous, marvelous young lady. Her name was Carmen. Carmen was blind from birth. Carmen had the neatest dog. She had a couple of them. Uh, and uh, the dog would, she would walk t- to the church and she would go up into the church and she would sit down and she would participate in the service Uh, She worked uh, in the hospital as a, this is hard to believe. She worked in the hospital as a file file clerk. Now, I have no idea what it's like to have my eyesight gone. I I can't even fathom it. But every Sunday, every Sunday when she would come back and greet me, she would always say, Father, you look so good today. And I would just give her always a big hug because her attitude was, you know, I can't see, but I'm going to do the best I can with what I got. And so the spiritual blindness that we have, Charles Johnson, my dear friend who has since passed, he taught me how to see. And instead of saying all these things that I should be doing, he just said, walk with me. And I, I didn't even know what he meant. He said a Thursday morning, come down to the rectory. And so I drove down to the rectory and of course I was looking pretty. You know, I had my collar on, you know. And he rarely wore a collar. But everybody in Cannesburg knew who Charles Johnson was. He didn't have to wear a collar to be famous. He was famous because he loved people. And so he walked down the street. It was a cold day. I'll never forget it. And, 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 and we came up to this doorway. And sitting in this doorway was this street person. His head was down. And I didn't know whether he was sleeping. I had no idea. And Charles went and stood before him. And never said a word for probably five minutes. And I, now I'm looking at my watch, thinking, what are you, you going to do? Are you going to talk to this guy? But he just stood there and looked at it. Now if you think five minutes is a short period of time, you stand and look at somebody for five minutes, it's a long time. And, and finally the gentleman lifted his head. He said, Brother Charles. And Charles said to him, Are you cold? He said, yes, sir. Charles took his really nice leather gloves off and put them on this man's hand. And then he said to this gentleman, are you hungry? He said, yes, sir. He said, if you give me that bottle in your hand, I will buy you something to eat. And so he just shakingly picked up this bottle and handed it to Charles. And I stood there in absolute awe. And we walked this gentleman about four doors up the street into a restaurant, and Charles did something that was so significant, he took this gentleman in, opened the the chair up, seated him, helped him off with his coat, and he said to the waitress, would you please treat him as well as you treat me when I come in here to eat? And when I, come, when I finish my chores, I'll come back and I will pay you. And we walked out the door and we poured what was ever, he poured whatever was in that bottle. I have no idea what it was, whether it was alcohol or wine or, and he poured it down the drain. We went back to the rectory and we got in his car and we drove up to this lady's house who had called him and the lady said, would you please come here? I can't pay my electric bill and I can't pay my heat bill. So we sat at a kitchen table. I'll never forget this. He had had the bills and he was holding them up in front of him and he stared at these bills for another three or four minutes. He just stared at the bills. I'm thinking to myself, Charles, say something. And finally, he said to the young lady, "He said, uh, when I was here last, I asked for if you would go down to the food bank, and I gave him your name. Did you go down there and get any, any food?" She said, "No, sir." He said, uh, "I also suggested that you find a church in town." And go there on Sunday morning to find out if there's some way that you could kind of come into a relationship with God. You can pick any church you want. Did did you do that? He said, "No, no, I didn't. And he gave her a couple other comments like that. And finally he said this. I'm going to pay these two bills. But I'm not coming back. Don't call me anymore. I have given you every opportunity to get out of the problem you're in and you're not paying attention. And he got up and walked out the door. Interestingly enough, as we were pulling back in, hit into the rectory, I said to him, Charles, where do you get the money? Where do you get the money to pay these bills and buy people's dinners and everything? Where, where does it come from? And he said, from God. He didn't tell me he had fundraisers or the, he had his special fund set aside that people but he just He just said, I get it from God. You see, prior to meeting Charles, I was spiritually blind. I could have walked right past that person and never seen him sitting there. And I'm sure that everybody in this church has experienced that spiritual blindness where we, we know that the neighbor is out of a job. We know that someone is by themselves, We know they're having some difficult times, but we would have rather look the other way than to step up and live a spirit-filled life by being spiritual. Now, is God a Republican or a Democrat? I might say he's neither. What God wants you to do, and by the way, in spite of all the garbage that comes out of all the political offices we're the greatest country in the world and like I said everybody wants in and nobody wants out the first thing God wants you to do is to vote Do you know one of the few countries in the world that you have the privilege of going to some place and marking a ballot in favor of who you think should be in charge of whatever they're in charge of. And yet, probably only 20 percent of us will do that. And that's, that's, that's unfortunate. The second thing that he wants you to do is he doesn't care if you're a Republican or a Democrat. He really doesn't. I, I might tell you that I'm a Republican. Rarely I think one time in my life, I voted a straight Republican ticket, and that's because I was 21 and I was scared. I didn't even know who was running, so I just put straight Republican, because my dad told me this, straight Republican. And, and, and we, we, we vote Democrat and Republican because that's the way we've always done it. Do you, know what my, do you know what I do when I go to the polls? First of all, I, I do a lot of research. I mean, I, I figure out what these guys are coming from or the ladies too. and I try to vote people out of office. I think we should have a president serve for six years, so we have to go through this stuff all the time. And you have, and as far as tenure goes, you know, you serve like four or six years, and then go back to the farm. But we have these politicians that are full-time politicians. And so God wants you to do this: number one, number vote; number two, vote for the candidate. Now listen to this very carefully: vote for the candidate that you think is spirit-filled. Years ago, if you brought, picked up a brochure, it would tell you the person's name, where they lived, who they were married to, their children's name. And they used to say, uh, 25 years remember United Methodist Church. And they always told them where their worship center was or the synagogue. It, it didn't matter. But today, you, you can't find where people go to church. And that's sad. And I don't know how to find out what church a particular or a worship center a particular uh, incumbent goes to or as somebody as a candidate for whatever office but that's what God wants you to do try to find out number one, go vote number two, try to find the person that you honestly believe putting aside a Republican Democratic Independent that you honestly believe is spirit filled this country was founded on the spirit of God we cannot afford to lose that. We cannot afford to follow the, 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 the Roman Empire. And that's a great possibility. Don't ever let yourself think it's not. It's a great possibility if we don't behave ourselves. Because God is watching what you're going to do when you go to the polls. God is going to watch what you do when you leave this place. God is going to see how blinded you are or how spirit-filled you are based on how you're going to take care of the person that you see that is in need. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. Thank you for loving us as unworthy as we are. Come into our hearts. Fill us with your grace And may we be spiritually well with regard to our eyesight that we look for the ways that we can reach out and touch the hearts of those individuals you have created. In your precious name we pray, amen.
0: You've been listening to a podcast from St. Stephen's Episcopal Church located at the corner of Walnut Street and 8th Avenue in downtown McKeesport since 1885. Heard today were the Reverend David Kinsey and our church choir under the direction of Georgia LaBetta. We invite you to join us for Sunday worship at 8 a.m. or 10 a.m. For more information, visit our website at ststephensmckeesport.com or find us on Facebook. Thank you for listening and may God bless you.